You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. Love to hear it. Thank you, worship team. Hasn't it just been so sweet? It's just God is doing something really sweet in our church family, and I just am so overjoyed every time uh, I'm here on Sunday mornings. My name is Emily Boone. If I haven't gotten to meet you yet, I hope that I do today. Um, let's get just some announcements off our to-do list right off the bat. Um, let's do a Bible call right now. If you guys don't have a Bible in your hands, we have some. We'd love for you to have. You can take them home. You can give them away. We're going to be in the Word today, so if you want a tangible Bible in your hands, please grab one. Um, also, a couple announcements who in here has a 6th through 12th grade student? If you're a 6th and 12th grade student, this is for you. What, what? We got one. <laughs> I know there's more of y'all. Um, we are moving. There we go. Our student services, 6th to 12th grade, to Sunday mornings starting next Sunday at the 11 o'clock service. It's going to be 11.15 next Sunday. We're starting our student services. We're super excited about that. So parents, tell your kids, kids, have your parents make sure that you guys are here for the second service next Sunday because that's when we're diving in. Um, And then secondly, we also want to invite you guys, if you've been thinking, praying, feeling nudged to get baptized, we are having our next baptism service here at the church on September 9th. Um, and if you are feeling God tug you towards that, we, uh, you can easily sign up by going on our website. I believe it's acfellowship.org slash baptism. Think I got that right? If not, you're all intelligent humans and you can figure it out. But um, today we're stepping into a new series. This summer has been so rich. It's been so good going through our series on miracles and wonders. Hasn't it been encouraging for you guys? Yeah. I feel like my faith is elevated, Um, and this August, at the beginning of this new school year, we're starting a new series, and we're going to spend four weeks talking about the church, what it is, why it's important. It's called Checked In, and it's just being all in on the church, Um, and today I've been tasked with just defining what the church is, answering that question, what is the church? So before we dive in, I want to pray, and uh, then we'll get going. God, we just, I, yeah, I echo where we just landed in our worship, just that we love you. We love you, God, and we just ask that you would be here with us this morning. I just pray over this next portion of our service, God, that you would open our eyes and ears and our minds to what you want to say about your church, because this is your church. We're a part of it, and we belong to it, but God, this, this body is yours. And so I just pray that this morning we would walk away, walk out of here with just renewed purpose on what it means to be your church, to be a part of church, to be ministry through church. And God, I just pray uh, for myself that you would please speak through me. Um, that you would give me the ability to communicate this well, God, and um, that people would be blessed through this message that you have today. We love you. It's in your name that we pray and gather and sing. Amen. So 11 years ago today, 
the Mars rover Curiosity landed on Mars. And I'm going to stop. Is that uh, distracting to y'all? Can you guys hear any feedback? I'm going to just make sure. No? You're good? OK. All right, 11 years ago today, Mars rover landed. I love NASA stuff, so when I saw that, I was like, I can't wait to share about the Mars rover landing on Mars. It took almost a year to get there, from launch to landing, and they named it Curiosity because they held this nationwide panel, and people got to submit what they would suggest, and a little girl from Kansas who went to Sunflower Elementary School, isn't that adorable, Sunflower Elementary? I know, that's so cute. Um, her name was Clara, and she was the winner. They chose her. Her prize was she got to sign the rover. And then, so now she gets to say, my signature's on Mars, because Curiosity's still going hard right now, exploring Mars. But the reason why she won is this. She wrote an essay, and it said this. Curiosity is an everlasting flame that burns in everyone's mind. She's 12, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. It makes me get out of bed in the morning and wonder what surprises life will throw at me that day. Curiosity is such a powerful force. Without it, we wouldn't be who we are today. Curiosity is the passion that drives us through our everyday lives. We have become explorers and scientists with our need to ask questions and to wonder. Pretty good for a 12-year-old. But I love that. And I wanted to ask you guys today if you would be willing to be curious with me about how we view the church. If we as a collective unit could be curious and introspective about how we see what the church is, how we participate in church, how we define what the body is, what the experiences of church, because our definition of what church is is going to be really important moving forward in this series for it to be meaningful and transformative for us. And I have gone to church my whole life. I grew up in this church. And I'll be the first to admit that a lot of times tradition or people or life experience can a lot of the times inform our definition of what church is. And we all know that as believers, this is our truth. You know, this is our authority. And in this book, we have the perfect definition of what God wants church to be. And so many times, our feelings and our experiences and how those end up forming a definition for us in our minds of many things in life, but including church, do not align with what's going on in here. So what I would love for us to do in the name of curiosity is be okay with whatever comes up. <laughs> this is a safe place. You know, if you're like, I don't want to be curious about how I see church. I'm very comfortable with how I'm prioritizing church and what I think about church. I'm very comfortable with my definition. Um, I just want you to feel permission to let whatever comes to the surface come. Because we have to be honest with ourselves about our definitions and how we're going to let scripture influence them. So to find capital T truth and just define what church is right off the bat so we can start bumping up our definitions or maybe experiences of church with capital T truth of church, we're going to look at Romans 12. This is our defining scripture for us today. Romans 12, 4 to 5, and this is what it says. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. 
So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So that's our functional definition of church today. That scripture. And when I look at that scripture and how it's, you know, metaphorically saying we are a body, and it's using the metaphor of the body to explain how we are members of the greater church. And in scripture, the body of Christ is what we are, is what the church is. The, the body of Christ is the church, the capital C church. Not this building, but people who believe in God, the family of Christ, the fellowship believers is the church globally, the church across time, the church across our town. And so even in minutia of how we can look at how we participate in the church, this verse is going to inform that in three aspects. So I have three points for us. And the first one is, the first aspect of our participation in the church is we're going to look at that in Christ phrase. In Christ. And if we're in Christ, that means that the church is meant to reflect and share Christ on the earth. That is the purpose of the church. And there are kind of two ideas that I had in studying for this about what it means to be in Christ. The first one is that if we are in Christ, therefore we are for Christ. We are for him. And right off the bat, we have to know that church as God designed it is for him. This is something we do and participate in for him. We are his possession. And I'm convicted saying that because I can so often view church as something that maybe is for me. And I, I have a tendency, and I think we can all agree that sometimes we come here thinking, what am I gonna get out of this? Um, you know, this is for me to make me feel good for, you know, checking it off the list or just to encourage me or, you know, because it feels good to go to church. And I'm not saying those things are bad, right? Because God, as in his nature, he's a giffer. So being a part of his body, we are blessed by that. But in Christ, for Christ, we are, the body of Christ is for him. That's our number one purpose is to meet for him, to glorify him, to make his name known. So right off the bat, our purpose is for him and not for us. But like I said, God is a good father and he gives us so many things through being part of his family. But if I'm going to try to realign my selfish ambitions with how I prioritize church or view church in my life, then I have to right off the bat surrender that I'm not, this is not something that's for me. It's for God. Um, and then secondly, this idea of being in Christ. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm sure all of us have maybe heard of it or memorized it. But it says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. So if we are in Christ, we are something entirely brand new. And what that is, is an image bearer. We're a reflection of him. And so to be in Christ as a church, the church is meant to be a reflection of our Father, a reflection of his goodness, of his majesty, and a reflection to who? To the entire world. Um, my family loves mountains. 
Um, and I have this gorgeous photo to share with you guys of this mountain over this lake. Isn't that reflection spectacular? There are some photos of mountains and reflections where you really can't tell which, which like the photo could be upside down and it would look like you can't tell which is mountain. But I love this image because it's so inspiring to me that God is the mountain and we're the lake below. We are meant to reflect his image back to anybody looking and seeing. That's the purpose of the church. That's what church is. That's what being a member of his body is, to be an image bearer. Um, but I was really moved uh, thinking about this concept because a lot of the times I think one of maybe culture's holdups or just anybody's holdup with the concept or idea of organized church could be that maybe sometimes the reflection gets messed up, right? Like if a breeze comes along or someone throws a rock in the lake or, you know, something comes to disturb that image, did the mountain change? Or was it just the reflection on the water? And I just, I know that the idea of church or going to church or being part of a church, especially if you have negative experiences with what church means, or, you know, sometimes we toss around the phrase like church wound, or just something hurtful that happened in, in relationship with people at church or just the church idea or someone said something that offended you and it was linked to church. Are y'all with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? This is a thing, right? And the enemy loves this thing, by the way, to pull us away from the body of Christ. But I just wanted to mention this because as we're meant to be reflections of Christ, we're imperfect people, right? And sometimes the mirror image isn't going to be totally perfect because we're all working out our salvation one day at a time. But the mountain never changes. God, God never changes who he is, his majesty. None of that is ever up for debate. That always stays the same. So if, you know, if I'm talking about this idea of in Christ and you're thinking my experience of or relationship with, or I have some stories, if you could hear the stories, you know, I understand the church is not perfect. Um, and we're, we're never going to be perfect. We had one who was perfect. But we have to submit and be aware of, like, this imperfection is just God working it out. And that, that might happen, but the image never changes of who he is. Um, so maybe if this part was kind of sticky for you and you're like, I wish you could talk about this a lot longer. Maybe you're like, I would, be lo I would love to stop talking about church wounds. That'd be great. <laughs> um, I just want to leave you with this idea. If you, you know, want to kind of work on this in your own reflection time, scriptures that are really good just to think about what it means to be in Christ, you can look at Philippians 2. You can read the rest of Romans 12, verses 9 through 21 in my Bible are termed love and action. And it's basically instructions on how to be the church, how to be reflections of Christ, um, how to have a mindset of Christ. So, in Christ, we are meant to reflect and share Christ on the earth. Um, the second aspect of what the church is that I think is really important that we grab hold of as a body before we move on in this series is kind of the second portion of this verse. 
we, though many, form one body. And I, my paraphrase of that is that the church is a body comprised of many unique and diverse members. So if the in Christ kind of aspect was that the church is about Christ and we're here for him, to glorify him, to know him more, then this part is kind of about others. The church is for the people who need to know Jesus. We're here for them. And it's meant to be diverse. The church is meant to be filled with all kinds of people. It's meant to be filled with all kinds of experiences. I mean, God wants us all as part of his family. Jesus died for all. And that means that the family of Christ is going to have all kinds of people in it, all kinds of diversity, all kinds of talents and gifts. Um, and so diversity is a beautiful thing about the church. And I was thinking about this <laughs> in prep, and I remembered that term essential worker, and you all are getting like trauma responses right now, right? I know, it makes me like anxious just thinking about those two years or I don't even know how long that was, but y'all know what I'm talking about, COVID, lockdown, and that term essential worker was thrown around a lot for people who had to be out there, and thank you if you were one of those people, but for me, I'm a photographer, so I was like so far from essential, <laughs> I was at home, you know, that's just not that important. Um, but I was thinking about that because I felt kind of like a pass, like I don't have to work because I'm not essential. <laughs> But that is not a phrase that you're going to hear about being a part of the church. We are all essential workers in the church. Every single person in here, every single believer. And I think that, you know, especially growing up in the church, and just being part of something that's like a functional organization, sometimes we can just like go with the flow or maybe think like, oh, this is my specific role. Like I'm just a church goer or I just volunteer here or whatever. Um, and we can kind of, it can kind of be like a limiting belief on like what I can contribute to the church body. And so I think moving forward, this just says, we though many form one body, though many. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but each of us have unique gifts, skills, experiences, passions, possessions. I don't know what's in your toolkit, but whatever it is, God can use it to further the kingdom. And the church needs you. The church needs you. And all we have to do is just like briefly look at the news or like Twitter or Facebook, you know, like, or just drive on the road. And there's just like, people are hurting. People are angry and people, it's just, there's, there's just brokenness. And that's not new. You know, there's always been brokenness, but we are essential workers and nobody gets a pass when it comes to serving the church and serving others through the body of the church. And that can take on, like I said, a myriad of different, uh, like how that looks. It can be so, just so much variety in terms of how you can participate. Um, I read, I have been reading in Matthew recently in Matthew 9.35, I guess I'll read it for y'all. Uh, it's Matthew 9.35, and um, it's that scripture where Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, they're few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out 
workers in his field. That's us. That's the church. That's what the church is for, to go out and reflect him and bring the hope that people so desperately need, the lovely, the joy, the peace, the things that we just sang about that he gives us. But what I really love about this, um, because I don't know if this is you, but in 36, it says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And when I read that, that those two words, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, don't you remember what that felt like to not have your shepherd guiding you? Or maybe you know, you have a friend who you know what it looks like. You know, you know a name. A name comes to mind when you feel like, I just know this person is lost. And it's just, they, they're feeling harassed and helpless just by the darkness in the world because they don't have a guide. And I, I'm bringing this up because it struck me, the word compassion. Um, because we, as the body of Christ, as the essential workers, we have to always carry in our back pocket compassion. If we're going to respond to people who are harassed and helpless, because I will be humble and say, sometimes I don't want to talk to the people. I don't want, if they, sometimes their viewpoints are offensive to me, which again is something I need to keep in check because that's really not my right to be offended. But maybe they um, have a political leaning that I'm scared of or is intimidating, or maybe they're just, you know, I don't know why I always bring up road rage, but <laughs> I, I get very, like, I feel victimized sometimes driving, and I just have this, like, gross, like, response, like, this indignation, and, like, that is, is that spirit or is it flesh? Is it compassion or is it, like, honestly hate? Because... If I cannot be compassionate in my role as an essential worker in the church, then I'm not going to be able to reach these people. I cannot come at them with anything but compassion because they are harassed and helpless. They're lost. There's a darkness out there. There is a stealer, a killer, and a destroyer. And that's our ultimate. We are on the battlegrounds against that force. It's not the people who are lost. It's the enemy. We are here for the people who are harassed and helpless. And if we cannot have compassion, because we know what it's like to be harassed and helpless and not have a shepherd, but they're just out there being lost, they don't know. And if we're responding with these fleshy, hateful things that have more to do with steal, kill, destroy than they do compassion and spirit, then we have to work that out and as an essential worker. Because what it means to be part of the church is to have compassion. Um, sorry, woof. Kind of got off on a tangent there. The church needs you. That's my application point. Where's that poster of whoever that is? Um, so to apply this, this is a mindset shift for a lot of us. For me, for a lot of us, this is a reminder to, again, in the name of curiosity, how is our definition of our participation in the church bumping up against what the Bible is saying about it right here? And um, if we need a mindset shift in this aspect, then what we can do is figure out how we can get in the game. A lot of that's going to be prayer. A lot of that could be just in retro, like looking in and thinking about what our gifts and skills are 
Um, just get in the game. <clears throat> no rules, get in the game. Um, last uh, aspect of church that we get from this verse that helps define what the church is, is, and each member belongs to all the others. It's the last portion of that verse in Romans. We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So my paraphrase here is the church is a unified family. We're a family. And man, I don't know that I need to really talk about this one too much because I'm just sitting here in, in worship this morning, and I just feel like warm and fuzzy just being here with all of you <clears throat> and this like-minded desire to serve and know the Lord more. But I'm going to talk about it anyway, uh, so I will. But this is the aspect where church can and is about us. And God designed the church to be a family. <clears throat> That's his heart for the church. Not some, you know, I don't know, staunch or emotionless or just something to do on a Sunday morning and then you go about, you know, church isn't nine to noon on Sunday morning. It's your family out there every day. Um, in Acts 20, uh, sorry, Acts 2, 42 through 47, I won't read the whole thing, but if you want to look at a really good and functional definition of just the very early church, that is a great scripture to look at. Acts 2, 42 through 47, sorry. Um, I'll just kind of breeze through. They devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, sharing a meal together. They're filled with awe at the signs and wonders being performed. That's cool, because we literally just came through that series. Um, they, this is the part that I get scared at, that we'll talk about. Um, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. God and sincere's hearts, praising God, worship. Um, I think, you know, I... I think maybe this might be a sticky one for some of us if we're not able to look at church as family. Uh, because, because maybe we're looking at <clears throat> just wanting to, I don't know, protect ourselves or be, like I, I read this and I get intimidated by how they were sharing things and they were so invested in each other's lives. But if I think about it in terms of like my sister Sarah, there's literally nothing I would not do for her. She is... I just, there's nothing. I would sell anything. I would go to any, you know, extreme. And the idea is that we are just meant to be this unified body that's looking out for each other and encouraging each other and building each other up in the, in the truth and walking together. Um, I was reading Genesis recently, and in the creation story, you know, it says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it's this beautiful image of how God created this planet that we get to live on, <clears throat> and it was good. And then there's this, and it was not good. It's like a glaring not good after this repetition of good. And the not good is when God looked at Adam, and it says that he saw that he was alone. That was not good. And God made Eve, because we are meant to be in partnership with each other. We are never, we are not, we are literally as people not created to function in isolation. And this is, you know, the isolation thing, again, trigger word, right? Because this COVID 
situation that we just come through has really, it's really forced a lot of us into isolation. And it's really kind of ripped apart some of the connectedness of our community and our just church, just every, everything feels like it's been touched by this. <clears throat> and so I, I know that that's like a really tender thing because some of us do feel isolated. And so if that's hard for you, then the good news is like, let's just push through it because we're not meant to live in isolation. You know, when Peter denied Jesus, he was by himself. But if his buddies were there, like, maybe that wouldn't have happened. <clears throat> um, we, that word belongs, we belong to each other. That is how God designed this family to be. So if this is a point that feels kind of sticky to you, maybe this aspect of it, my encouragement would just be to move in closer. Just to find a way to create and forge real relationships with people in the church. And I know it's hard because in a room this size, if we're being honest, are we going to be friends with every single person in here, like super tight, like BFF level? You know, maybe that's unrealistic, but we can form real, intense, loving, fam familial type relationships in this room. That is possible for each and every one of us. And it's important because that's how God designed the church. And the church cannot function as it was made to if we are not connected to each other. Um, so small groups, accountability groups, grabbing someone after church, meeting for cop, just rearranging your priorities in terms of how you spend your time and energy relationally. Those are just ways that you can apply this aspect of the definition of us belonging together as a church. Um, to close, I have just this really cute, beautiful story um, of, have y'all heard of the painted churches in Texas? Uh, I recently was able to go there with my dad to a few of them. <clears throat> and I have some pictures for you guys of the church in Ammonsville. It's St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. Isn't that gorgeous? It's in this little town of Ammonsville. And literally there's like, just like a few houses around. It's so small. You could see this from miles away. And I have a few pictures of the inside, too, just to show you. Look, at it's pink. Isn't that sweet? That's why they're called the Painted Churches, because they're, oh, that's your pastor. <laughs> Having the time of his life in that little church. Um, they're painted just so exquisitely. And I wanted to show you guys this one. Y'all can, yeah, that's perfect. Um, isn't that magnificent? I wanted to show you guys this one for, I mean, for two reasons. This specific church was built in 1890 by this, literally this tiny community of people in Ammonsville, Texas. It's right outside LaGrange. And then a few years later, a hurricane ripped it down, this church. So in 1909, they rebuilt. And then a fire came and the fire took it out. So this structure, which is 1919, was reopened, and this is the third version of this church in this tiny town, a handful of houses. And I love this so much because this community was like, we will have a place to meet with God. We will have a place to be a family, and not only will we have a place, it will be pink and beautiful. They literally hired a painter. Like, I, I think about them pulling their resources to 
make this the most sacred space they could so that they could be a family and they could worship their God. And that story touches me so much, but it's so special and so good because I'm sure y'all are looking at this Latin phrase. It's from Proverbs 8. And what they chose to put in that inscription is the verse that says, my delights were to be with the children of men. And in studying this, a saint, St. Alphonsus Liguri, his paraphrase is, the paradise of God is the heart of man. The deal is that for God, it is precious for him to meet with us. He loves to meet with us for whatever reason, beyond my understanding. God loves us. And for him, it is a delight to meet with us and to fellowship with the heart of man. And that is the heart of why God has designed the church to be the way that it is because he loves us and he wants us to participate in that in the way that the Bible outlines it in the way that he designed it. So just in close, returning to that idea, the curiosity concept, what is your current relationship status with church? With the idea of church, with the church body, with the people? Um, I just, I would love for us as a church body, as a family, as we go through this series, to continue to be open-minded. And God, how do you want to reinform how I prioritize this practice, how I prioritize relationship with my brothers and sisters? Let's just, as a collective family, agree to let him inform our position in this place and in this body. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll dismiss. God, I'm just so humbled at the idea that you delight in meeting with us. I just feel really undeserving of that, and it's just so good. We're so thankful for that, and it's just making my heart want to say, God, we want to we wanna be what you want us to be <clears throat> as the church, as your people. And so, God, I just pray that we would conform more to what you say about us and more to what scripture says and more to what how Jesus looked than we would to the world. I pray that we would be transformed by your word and not look like the outside. I pray that we would be image bearers. I pray that we would be a reflection. I pray specifically for ACF, one member of the greater, larger members, member of, of your church, God. I pray that ACF would be a place where just the hearts in here would be fully seeking after you and fully seeking after the common good of those in here and especially of those who are not here, God, because we want to bring more people into your family. We just submit who we are to you, God, not the other way around. We want to be who you want us to be, God. Make us into more of your reflection, Lord. Make us into more of a family. Show us how to do that better. Because we want to look like you. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Online, thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend.